This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. This episode contains explicit and adult content. Listener discretion is advised. All cases and stories covered by this podcast are true stories involving real people. The opinions of the host and any interviewees are simply that, opinions. The credibility of any witnesses and what they say is to be determined by the listener. Everyone is presumed innocent until proven otherwise in a court of law. He had already been driving for eight hours and on the road for much longer. He needed sleep. He had left his home in Flint, Michigan sometime either the late evening of Thursday, April 7th, or the very early hours of Friday, April 8th, 1994. He was scheduled to drive to the American Axle and Manufacturing Plant in Buffalo, New York, where he was to pick up a cargo shipment of automotive axles to deliver to the now-defunct GMC truck and bus plant in Pontiac, Michigan. He made it to the American Axle and Manufacturing Plant. He picked up his cargo, but he never made it home. This is Episode 15 of True Crime Real Time, The Open Road, covering Michael Lovejoy's story. And this is your host, Genevieve Germain. Just a few items about this podcast. True Crime Real Time is a bi-weekly podcast covering missing persons and unsolved murders. We're available across many platforms such as CastBox, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, and many others. Links, information, and pictures relating to the cases or stories we cover can be found on our website at www.truecrimerealtimepod.com or on our Instagram account or on our Facebook page. The links to Instagram, our website, and our Facebook page can be found on the podcast channel description. Photos, as well as any other information, are generally posted at the same time as when the episode is published. Now back to this show. Michael was a big guy. He had broad shoulders and would tower over almost everyone. He stood six foot six and weighed around 200 pounds, and he hated the heat. Couldn't sleep if it was too warm. Even though he was a tall man, he wasn't imposing. He strongly believed that any conflict could be resolved by talking them out. He wasn't a fighter and he didn't like weapons. Michael lived in Flint, Michigan. This was the Flint before multiple financial emergencies were declared and the city needed to have unelected emergency managers run the city. This was Flint before the scandal in which government officials ignored evidence that the city's water supply was contaminated with lead. This was the Flint at the cusp of becoming one of the leading cities in the United States for violent crime. A city where the many citizens fell below the poverty line at more than half the household income of the state median. A city on its way to becoming a top contender for the worst place to live in the U.S. 
This flint was a far cry from its former glory. Flint was once the largest single manufacturing complex of General Motors. However, the closing or relocation of various General Motor plants in the 1980s and early 90s led to a shrinking economy, high unemployment rates and a mass reduction in population. This is the Flint where Michael lived. Michael loved to drive. Give him the empty road and he could go for hours. Which is why it wasn't a surprise when he landed his dream job of driving a big rig all over North America. He started working at Michigan-based RTS Transportation at the end of February or beginning of March 1994. He was only five weeks into his new job. On this trip, he was to drive to the American Axle and Manufacturing Plant in Buffalo, New York to pick up a cargo destined for the GMC Truck and Bus Plant in Pontiac, Michigan. He left his house either late Thursday or early Friday, arrived in Buffalo the morning of Friday, April 8th. The drive from Flint, Michigan to Buffalo, New York is around seven and a half to eight hours, barring any issues at the borders or traffic. He arrived at the American Axle and Manufacturing Plant at approximately 10 a.m. He picked up the shipment of truck axles and left the plant one hour and 16 minutes later, heading back into Canada through the Queenston-Lewiston Bridge. Between 1.30 and 2 p.m., Michael pulled over to the side of the road of 403 westbound between Garden Avenue and Wayne Gretzky Parkway, formerly known as Park Road North. This is the location of his death. I conducted a site visit. Here's the description on location. Okay, I'm on location. I'm on the shoulder of the westbound 403 between Garden Avenue and Wayne Gretzky Parkway. Wayne Gretzky Parkway in 1994 was called Park Road North. Um, I'm about 1.3 kilometers away from there, so just short of a mile. I could see the overpass for Garden Avenue. I can't really see the overpass for Wayne Gretzky Parkway, however, I'm not sure what the terrain would have been like at that time. There's a bit of a hill that goes up that blocks that view and I'm unsure if that was built up in 1994. Now, if that wasn't built up in 1994, then um, you'd probably see the overpass. So that being said, I just want to specifically say that we're not directly under an overpass or very close to one. It's hard to determine what the traffic would have been like when Michael pulled his big rig over to take a nap. Today is really not a good representation First of all, it's been 24 to 25 years. The city of Bradford has grown since then, so there's inherently going to be more traffic. Um, also, it's Christmas Eve, so there's going to be more people on the road. Um, when Michael pulled his big rig over, it was around quarter to two, between quarter to two and two o'clock. It was on a Friday. So there would have been a reduced amount of traffic uh, because it's mid work day. That being said, it is a Friday, but it was before uh, cottage season. So when cottage season starts up, typically the first or second weekend of May, you'll see increased amount of traffic from midday uh, on Fridays to into the evening as people travel this route, sometimes going to their cottage. There are a lot of transport trucks that kind of go into this area, and that's because um, one of the ways to get into the U.S., depending on where you're headed, is to um, follow the 403 which turns it joins into the 401 that goes through London and then 
through Sarnia and through Windsor and all that stuff. So it goes and you can get into Detroit from that way. And depending on where you're located, sometimes it's faster to go through Canada up around Lake Erie instead of um, on the U.S. side because the route is a little bit more straight through so it does save you some time in that respect so uh, so i just probably describe the scene a little bit right where i'm parked and from what i'm led to believe is where his big rig was parked there is quite a big field um on one side it's empty there's trees it's it's not heavily wooded there's a couple of trees there is a tower for electricity there is a plant or nearby like a, some sort of plant but it I'm not sure if that building was actually there at the time I don't recall seeing a photo of it there are some buildings around here but again they're not significantly close the hotels just behind me on Garden Avenue look new so those would not have been there in 1994 there's also some gas station and um, a new area for like a food location that has a couple of different fast foods in it beside the gas station so none of those would have been there at the time. Um, that was actually just put in, the food location was just put in, in the last year or so. That would not have been there. To my left, remember I'm on the westbound lanes. To my left is a couple of buildings, look like companies, warehouses and that kind of thing. I'm not entirely sure that was there either at the time. Either way, the only people that would be behind this building facing the highway would be any kind of delivery trucks and um, today obviously it's Christmas Eve so there's no uh, truck there's no in and outs I can't see or movement or long in this building mind you I have driven by here quite a few times in the past and I've never really seen any activity on this side so I don't know if that tells you anything but I'm not sure if that was even there I think that at the time in 1994, this stretch was probably a little bit more desolate than it is at the moment. And to be honest, it's a little bit desolate now. So, or more so desolate in 1994. People definitely noticed that his transport truck was parked here for a while. And there are a couple of witnesses that came forward to the police indicating when. So that's why they were able to create a timeline of when he actually pulled over and how long he was sitting there before um, his death was discovered. So I took some photographs of the area. Those are going to be posted on Instagram and on the website. So when you're listening to this episode, you can go ahead and take a look at it. I'm not going to stay on the side of the road here very much longer. It's, like I said, it's a safe area here. Um, I don't think in the 25 years since that or even before I've heard of any kind of crime occurring on the stretch of the highway. Bear in mind, I don't think the 403 was very old at the time of Michael's death, but this section of the 403. Because remember, in 1983, it wasn't yet built. So between 1983 and 1994, this stretch of the highway was actually built up. As you all know, reporting on cold cases is my passion, but even I need an occasional break. So when I feel like I need a mental palate cleanser, my go-to refresher is a mobile puzzle game, Best Fiends. Best Fiends is a puzzle game that you can play right on your phone and it's really cool because you go through all these levels solving challenging puzzles that actually engage your brain. And it's a casual game that anyone can play and it's really, really fun. I just made it to level 35 and only just started playing a few days ago. 
The great thing about it is that it doesn't take up much of your time. And it's a great way to fill up those moments where you wish you had something to do, you know, aside from scrolling through social media over and over again. The other day, I was in the waiting room for what seemed like forever at the doctor's office, but having this game to play made the time go by so much faster. You also don't need internet connection to play, so it's cool for when you have those moments when you have no connection at all, like on an airplane, for example. The game is also visually stimulating with its bright colors and cute characters. And Best Fiends updates the game monthly with new levels and events, so it never gets old. It's a great game to engage your brain with fun puzzles. And did I mention you get to collect tons of cute characters too? Best Fiends is a 5-star rated mobile puzzle game on Apple App Store and Google Play, and you can download it for free. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. At approximately 4.30 a.m. on Saturday, April 9th, another RTS transportation driver who was traveling eastbound on the 403 towards Buffalo spotted Michael's truck parked on the side of the westbound lanes. He tried to contact Michael over the CB radio, but there was no answer. Michael Lovejoy's CB handle was Supertramp. At 2.50 p.m., the same driver was on his return run to Michigan when he noticed that the same RTS transport truck was still parked in the same location. So he stopped to investigate why. He discovered Michael Lovejoy's body in the sleeper portion of the cab. Michael had been shot several times. The person who found his body immediately called the police. Police arrived on scene and spent just over five hours taking photos and combing the surrounding roadside and ditch for clues. Additionally, they received assistance from the Ontario Provincial Police Canine Unit. However, no murder weapon was located. The cab portion of the tractor-trailer, with Michael still inside, was towed to Toronto that Saturday night for examination by the Centre of Forensic Science and the Chief Coroner's Office. This was done to prevent contamination of the crime scene. The ballistic results were never released to the public nor the amount of times Michael had been shot, other than to say it had been several times. Michael was found in the sleeper portion of the cab. His shoes and socks were off and on the floor of the vehicle, and he had the alarm on his watch set for that Saturday at 5.30 p.m. as he was scheduled to arrive in Pontiac by 10 p.m. Robbery was ruled out as a motive. His wallet lay undisturbed in the cab, and the cargo was not touched. Between 1991 and 1994, there had been 13 truckers that were shot at from overpasses along highways 401, 402 and 403 in southwestern Ontario. Police were quick to rule out the possibility of a sniper in this case as the truck was not parked close to an overpass and the homicide was confirmed to the close proximity of the truck's cab. Very early theories indicated a possibility that Michael may have picked up a hitchhiker. However, this was quickly ruled out in the media as there was a strict no-passenger-allowed policy that if violated were grounds for dismissal. His aunt told the Brantford Expositor that Michael would in no way pick up a hitchhiker and jeopardize his job. After all, he did have a family to support. RTS transportation company officials were also fast to dismiss any possible connection between the murder and the American labor problems involving the Teamster Union at the time. The Brotherhood of Teamsters is a labor union in the United States and Canada, previously plagued by infiltration of organized crime throughout the 1950s. 
I couldn't find any affiliated labor disputes that could potentially be affiliated. Some witnesses came forward and indicated that another tractor trailer with similar coloring and markings had been seen parked behind Michael's tractor trailer close to when he first left the highway, which was between 1.30 p.m. and 2 p.m. on that Friday. Someone saw a man walking from Michael's truck to the other one. This was on the Friday and is not the same man that discovered his body the following day. One witness indicated seeing two men running from Michael's truck. However, I could not confirm if it was one male or two. That person has not been identified to this day. Police have received and followed up on more than 300 tips since then, and none of the tips have panned out. Investigators have spoken to numerous people from Canada and the United States. The case still remains unsolved. Michael was 35 years old at the time of his death. He was married to Linda and had one son together, Billy, who was 10 at the time. He has also a 12-year-old stepson. Following Michael's death, his wife, mother, and sister traveled to Brantford in Toronto for identification of Michael and for police interviews. Michael's murder was one more blow to the family as Michael's father, uncle, and grandfather had all passed away within the past two years prior to his death. To recap what we do know, Michael Lovejoy traveled from Flint, Michigan to Buffalo, New York, cutting through Canada. He left Michigan sometime either the evening of Thursday the 7th or early morning Friday the 8th. He arrived in Buffalo at the American Axle and Manufacturing Plant at around 10 a.m., picked up his cargo, and left at approximately 11.15 a.m. He crossed the Queenston-Lewiston Bridge at approximately noon, drove around one and a half hours, and pulled over to the side of the road in Brantford, Ontario, between Garden Avenue and Park Road North for a nap at around 1.30 p.m. He took off his shoes and socks and placed them on the floor of the cab, took out his wallet, set an alarm on his watch for 5.30 p.m. and settled in the sleeper compartment of his cab for a nap before having to head out to meet for his delivery time of 10 p.m. in Pontiac, Michigan. Another truck bearing the same colorings and markings as RTS Transportation pulled up behind Michael's truck between 1.30 p.m. and 3.30 p.m. One to two males were seen fleeing from Michael's truck to the truck behind Michael's truck. At 4.30 a.m. on Saturday, April 8th, another driver from RTS Transportation, who was driving eastbound on the 403 towards Buffalo, saw Michael's truck pulled over on the shoulder of the highway. He called over for him on the CBE, but it went unanswered. At approximately 2.50 p.m. that same Saturday, the same driver was returning from Buffalo and saw that Michael's truck was still stopped on the side of the road. He stopped behind him and went to investigate. He discovered the body of 35-year-old Michael James Lovejoy in the sleeper compartment of the cab of his truck. He had been shot multiple times. He had likely been deceased for close to 24 hours. Sniper shooting was ruled out, and the company denied that his death was related to any labor disputes involving Teamsters Union. His murder was confined to the cab of the truck. Michael was 35 at the time of his death. He was married and had a 12-year-old stepson and a 10-year-old son. His murder has not been solved and is now considered a cold case as all investigative leaves have been investigated to this date. 
If you have any information on the death of Michael Lovejoy or have any information with regards to relationships or events involving RTS Transportation, Teamsters Union, or Michael Lovejoy, please contact the Major Crime Unit in the Brantford Police Services at 519-756-0113, that's 519-756-0113, or if you have information about a crime that you would like to report anonymously, please call Crime Stoppers at 519-750-TIPS, that's 519-750-8477, or toll-free at 1-800-222-TIPS, that's 1-800-222-8477. Alternatively, tips may be also sent by email by visiting crimestoppers-brant.ca. That's www.crimestoppers-brant.ca. This brings us to an end of Mike Lovejoy's story. And I hope that you join us in two weeks' time as we delve further into another case from southwestern Ontario. And here's the audio clip from the 1994 Crime Stoppers episode on Michael Lovejoy. B5 of Flint, Michigan, was employed as a driver for RTS Transport. Michael Lovejoy drove into Canada at Sarnia through southern Ontario, arriving at his destination at American Axle and Manufacturing Company in Buffalo, at 10 a.m. April 8, 1994. He picked up a shipment of truck axles and left the plant in New York one hour and 16 minutes later. Between 1.30 p.m. to 1.45 p.m. that same day, Lovejoy pulled over his rig on the westbound gravel shoulder of Highway 403 and stopped one mile east of the Park Road overpass in Brantford. Later that night, another eastbound RTS driver spotted the park transport truck and when he tried contacting Lovejoy over the CB radio, he was not successful. Lovejoy's CB handle was Supertramp. On Saturday, April 9, 1994, at 2.15 p.m., the same driver who had tried to raise Michael was returning and noticed that the truck was still parked in the same location on Highway 403. The driver investigated and then discovered Michael James Lovejoy's body in the sleeper portion of the cab. He had been shot several times. Robbery does not appear to have been a motive if you have any information on this or any other serious crime, call Brant Brantford Crime Stoppers at 1-519-752-7867 or Hamilton Wentworth Crime Stoppers at 522-TIPS. That's 522-8477 to be eligible for a cash reward of up to $1,000. Remember, in all cases, you will not have to reveal your identity and Crime Stoppers does not subscribe to call display. And a huge thank you goes out to my new Patreon supporters who are JT Hosack and Wendy Sanders. I thank you. Your support is appreciated more than you know. And don't forget, if you want to see the murder locations, please see the podcast Instagram account and the, or the podcast website. True Crime Real Time is researched and written by myself and the music is provided by Scouty Boy. Thank you for listening and have a good night. Je tiens à vous remercier tous d'avoir écouté le dernier épisode de 2019. Cette année, nous avons couvert sept cas différents qui ne sont toujours pas résolus à ce jour. Certains même d'entre eux datant de plus de quelques décennies. Et j'espère que parmi tous, il y a un héros qui peut détenir la clé pour résoudre l'un de ces cas. 
En 2020, j'espère des réponses pour la famille et de la justice pour les victimes. Et de ma famille à la vôtre, je vous souhaite une bonne année remplie de paix, de prospérité, de bonne santé et surtout de sécurité. Bonne nuit, mes amis, et à la prochaine. If you have questions, comments, or case suggestions, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at truecrimerealtimepod at gmail.com or complete the case submission form on our website.